Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala Sermon Podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. What follows is an audio recording from our Sunday morning worship gathering, and we hope that you will find it encouraging, challenging, and helpful. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. Going through this series and we're labeling it the new neighbor because when God takes on flesh or God meets his people, it's big news. And when God shows up in the way from Genesis to Revelation, we see where he is that new neighbor. So we're going to trace that from Genesis to Revelation in five weeks. So if you could pick up one of the uh, Bible reading plans, it helps walk through that. And today we're just going to set a backdrop. And we're going to start at Genesis 1. And we're going to look at the new neighbor. So turn to, well, it's going to be page 2. Genesis 1. And this morning we're going to look and see that we need to be reconciled to God Jesus, the creator, who took on flesh. We need to, we're going to figure out, hey, who is this Jesus? And he is the creator. And by the way, we're going to celebrate this time that he's taking on flesh. So be reconciled to God, the Jesus, the creator, who took on flesh. And move with me now to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning. As we talk about our new neighbor, we got to set this context. Jesus coming to earth, and who is this new neighbor? We're asking questions about who he is, but we got to look and see. In the very beginning, God said he created the heavens and the earth. God, who has always been and always will be, created everything that we know. Do you believe that? That's a big assumption nowadays. So the very first sentence of the very first book, right at the beginning of your Bible, is incredibly formative. Do you believe that in the beginning God created? In the beginning, God created it all. God started it all. And you get this, God stands outside of time. He even created that. We've been going through the book of Ecclesiastes, and we've been studying what does life look like under the sun. It's heavy. It's sometimes gray skies. But we know that everything underneath the sun even was set into motion by God's creative hand. And actually, he spoke it. One of my friends liked to say when he sung, when God sings, the universe takes form. So even he even created time. He stands outside of time. He created the heavens and the earth. And like we went through with the kids this morning, if you create something that implicitly gives you the right to say, that's mine. I have the right to rule. I have the right to manage. I have the right to orchestrate what is mine. We don't have a problem with this when we make something, but when God says, hey, I made that, I rule over that, we balk at it. This past week, my uh, bicycle was stolen. And a good friend of mine says, it kind of hurts because you think you owned that thing. God owned that thing. And we tend to take that personally. 
So God, when he creates, he gets to declare also his character, his dominion, and his sovereignty. We see a lot about God when we see the intricacies of that which he created. We can look at the world and say, wow, this had to be created by somebody. God created everything, even that which you are unable to perceive or comprehend. We're still discovering what God has created. But the entire Bible begins with the idea, did you believe that God is actually God? Did God do this? Is God who he says he is? Everything that, everything that we're going to discuss in this series after this, and matter of fact, however you read your Bible from here on will reflect on how you view this very first sentence. Do you believe that God created? Does he then have the right to govern his world and what he owns? Pastor Michael, are you familiar with that, say, that sign? Why? It's copyright. How many of us, well, okay, when you start a movie, you get that big screen, the FBI warns you that you're going to death or prison, and it could cost you $4 billion to copy a movie. Why is that a big deal? Why do we, even as, as people, when we create things, we copyright it? We own it. Yeah, we're prone to steal it. We want to put our mark on something and say, that's mine, and if you want to use it, you got to pay for it. In fact, some people in some industries, when you sign on to work there, they own the intellectual rights of that which you created. And you will sign that away. So even we, when we create things, we say, that's my right to own that, and I will enforce it. When God said, I created, that's his copyright. That is mine. I own it. I operate it. I rule over it. So we go from there. We're like, well, how does this have to deal with Jesus at Christmas? What we're going to do is go from Genesis, and then we're going to flip back to Colossians. So take one of your um, um, cards and put in right here at Genesis, because we're going to come back. And we're going to flip now to page 820, and we're going to go to Colossians chapter 1. Because guess who also said, created? Jesus himself. Move with me to Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 16. Colossians 1 verse 16. For by him all things were created, speaking of Jesus, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Take a look up above at the sign. For by him all things were created. All things were created through him and for him. Bold statement. Jesus spoke and the world came into existence. The deity of Jesus is loudly proclaimed here. The who he is isn't just a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. He created. And he was our creator who took on flesh. So as we look at this new neighbor, this Jesus who's shown up, look as we look at this as a new neighbor, connect Genesis 1-1 with Colossians 1-16. 
Colossians 1.16, who did the creating? This is like Awana back in the day. Every answer is Jesus. Ready? For who was the one who spoke the world into existence according to Colossians? It's Jesus. Who is it all for? Jesus. That's a profound statement. The deity of Jesus is being assaulted on incredibly many fronts. A lot of what people turn to on the radio, even those who lead large congregations will say that Jesus was only God during this time, or they will deny that he was more man than he was God. And so the idea of the deity of Jesus is being attacked over and over and over again. It's not a new idea. It's been around a long time. Remember when he rose from the grave, they came up with this way of explaining it. But do you recognize this morning as one who owns the word, who reads through it and studies it, interacts with it, and somebody says, who is this Jesus guy? And it's going to be there in your, in your interactions. Because it's when we interact with our culture at Christmas, it's about... For us, the birth of Jesus. This is an opportunity for you to connect in your own mind. Hey, Jesus was that that was born from Mary of virgin birth, but he also pre-existed that. This is where it kind of gets hard to think through. Jesus took on flesh. We read that in Philippians today. He humbled himself to be a servant, was God, and that's why it was such a huge deal that he became a baby. So connect the idea of Genesis 1-1 with Colossians 1. Jesus existed as God, as the creator. He has the supreme right to rule then, to rule over his dominion. He has the supreme right to judge and to also administrate his creation. Because Jesus humbled himself and took on flesh, then takes and gives you that backdrop of wow not only is this the baby Jesus this little person born in Bethlehem but it was also the one who spoke and the world came to be this is what we think of of Jesus at this time of year we got a kid and so some kind of porcelain thing that when you get out it's your grandma's had it and your great grandma had that and you don't huh well <laughs> and it's like it, it got it wrapped up in tissue paper and it's been in the attic for a while and so the kids are all excited well do you can break any of them but don't break jesus <laughs> so this is what we think of when we think of jesus in this christmas season but that's our new neighbor He's coming to town, and we celebrate that. But do we also think of this, Jesus the Creator? If you've been to the Grand Canyon, whoa, you guys need to ride your bikes out and see it. There's no way that even this picture does it justice. I mean, you could throw Ocala in the bottom of that, and it would look like a little dust, but, you know, it's just so huge. But Jesus the Creator, when he's saying... That came into existence. So we go from baby, God with us, God taking on flesh, to Genesis 1, connecting with Colossians 1, the creator. 
And we also see from Genesis 2. Now flip back. Keep your finger there. Switch the bookmarks. But keep your finger in Colossians. Now flip back to Genesis. So we see that God created. We also know that Jesus created. And they both created that which when we dwell. And God, Jesus, created our own dwelling. And now we're going to see that Jesus created and God created to dwell with his, with his creation. Look at Genesis 2, page 3, verse 18 through 22. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make, a helper, make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whenever the man called every living creature, that was his name. The man gave names to the, all the livestock, to the birds of the heaven, to the, every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed it up in his place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. God created, and then he dwelled with his creation. What I want you to see here, look at how Jesus is interacting with Adam. We can easily perceive that Jesus was interacting with Adam after his creation. This, is to dis, this goes against the idea that God created, wound up the clock, threw it into orbit, and said, see you all later. God wasn't the cosmic clockwinder. Gave it its energy, threw it out there and said, oh, let's all just sit back and look at this. You can see from this text, I wanted you to look at is look how Jesus interacted with Adam. Jesus did more than just speak and the garden came full of existence. But Jesus walked with Adam talked with Adam. They cooperated in naming these creatures. Can we go so far as to say Jesus worked with Adam? What was Adam's job? Hey, let's name everything. Okay. Because you see the two of them working together. And so there's this community being developed. So Adam got to live with his new neighbor. When God shows up, it's an amazing event. We're going to trace this from Genesis all the way through the Revelation, but we need to start here. Imagine the world in which Adam had unfettered access to Jesus and got to work together in a garden. It's a great idea. It's powerful. It's like we can't even really imagine what that would be like to go to work and balance the books with Jesus. But you know from creation implied in this text that they was, there was a community. They interacted. Jesus created and then he dwelt with Adam. And it was in that community that Jesus says, he needs a helper. There's Eve. Jesus wanted Adam to have somebody else with whom he could dwell with. This idea of community stems from Jesus interacting with Adam here. It's formed in this rich ground and in this garden 
where they work together and they, then Jesus can say, hey, we need an Eve. We do the same thing. We make babies. We procreate. I kind of like that word. We create also. Now, the Lockstanfords are good at, at, at interacting and having time. If it's one thing that a baby costs is time. How much time do you spend with each other? How much time does a mother and a baby spend together? A lot. Big time bunches, lots. We were even commenting that I actually held a baby once and it actually went to sleep. So that tells you about my length of time of interacting with real little babies. But moms and parents, there's a lot of time. When they create, they procreate, there's a lot of time that is spent with each other. So we look at when God created, when Jesus created, he spent that time. He spent, he, here is my new creation and I want to dwell it, with it in this garden. God will hunt down and seek this dwelling with his people over and over and over again. And that will climax when Jesus arrives and that new neighbor comes and he's there and he takes on flesh. So we've seen that God created, Jesus created, and God wants to dwell with his creation. Now flip back to Colossians. Colossians 1, move to verse 19. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. It's talking about Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And we know in Genesis 3, chapter 3, that this is when the fall happens. We read about this. This morning in our Bible reading. What did Jesus do when Adam and Eve sinned? Did he leave them all alone? What did Adam and Eve do? They took off and hightailed it. There's got to be some comedy in there. I know you created the world. I've spent all this time with you. And we're going to play a cosmic game of hide and seek. But God doesn't leave them stranded all alone. They go into hiding, and it's Jesus who seeks them out. It was because they had been together that they knew that they had to hide. It was because all the time that they had worked together that they said, let's hide from Jesus. What an amazing mystery. The God who created was betrayed by his creation, walks through the garden looking for him. If we make something and it doesn't turn out well, we recycle it, throw away, or do burn it, or do something with it. But God creates, and then he seeks reconciliation with that which he created. So God even created us, created us, and then we rebelled against him. We are sinners, and the very same is, is true today. He seeks us. 
Jesus, as the creator, when he finds Adam and Eve, still holds the role of sovereign God. He makes his divine right to judge, to curse, and declare truth. But in the very same time, he makes a promise. Through Eve's seed, there will come a savior. It's the very first time we get a glimpse of, wow, there is going to be something good happen out of this. It's the very first glimpse that Jesus is going to make a promise for salvation. And he doesn't leave them in their sin. They've run from him, they've hidden from him, and then he finds them. And he makes the statements of curses and promises as divine creator. But he also does something first. What's he do first? He, they, were, they put on fig leaves, right? Then what does Jesus do for them? First time there's a sacrifice. Something had to die. And he puts, makes some leather clothes. So we see that Jesus sought Adam and Eve. And he exercised his divine right as creator, but then he made the first sacrifice for him and made a promise for him. Now as we're in Colossians, look what Jesus did for us here. This new neighbor at Christmas is on a mission. He has come with a mission to seek that which is lost. He's the creator who's taken on flesh just to be a good guy to be out there and heal some people and do some cool things and do a magic trick and make a bunch of people better, raise the people from the dead. What was the point? What was the end goal? The obedience to the Father. To bring glory to the Father in the process of making reconciliation with those he sent. Can you see it again where Jesus has said there is sin? I will seek them out. I will come to them. I will be their new neighbor. And the cool thing about it is that he then becomes the last sacrifice for sin. Do you see where it's really important to keep an idea when one finger in Genesis 1, one finger in Colossians 1, and just to flip back and forth between them because it sets the context incredibly important for us because we go through the Christmas season learning about our new neighbor. Because when we think of Jesus and we think of that porcelain baby sitting in there, we have this opportunity to interact with our world and say, hey, that's Colossians 1 baby. That is the creator of the universe baby. That is the baby who has sought people, who wants to dwell with his fallen creation, that is going to make a bloody sacrifice and then raise from the dead as a conqueror of that sin. Just like in Genesis 3, Jesus proactively takes on flesh and seeks. He walks the earth with a mindset of following the Father to glorify Him to make peace. You've heard the old statement, have you made peace with your Maker? This is a cool place to think of. Your Maker has made peace with you if you will seek it and find it. Have you made peace with your Maker has already offered it to you? Jesus, your Maker, your Creator. So this morning, recognize that Jesus is God. Jesus is the one who created you, who created the world, who spoke it into existence. And he is that new neighbor that we're going to trace through where God has shown up and said, I want to dwell with my people. 
When God takes on a physical form, it's a big deal. When God shows up and illustrates himself to his people, it's a huge deal. This is very rare that this happens in our text, and we're going to trace some of those. So there's a final quiz. There's a pop quiz this morning. Who created the world? Who spoke the world into existence? Oh, come on. It's easier. It's everything. It's just like I want it, like I said earlier. The answer is always the same. Who was it that spoke the world into creation? Who created everything? Who was it that sought us out in order to make reconciliation? You guys are losing steam. Little kids do better with this. And who was it that took on flesh? There you go. Good job, Camille. So we need to be reconciled to God, and that is through the blood of Jesus Christ, but that God is also Jesus the Creator who took on flesh. Are you reconciled to Him? You might be thinking, well, I've been reconciled, you know, 32 years ago, and I walked the aisle or whatever and made this prayer. But this is also reconciliation with God on a daily basis. First John was written to an audience that knew who their Savior was. Are you reconciled? Do you have a good relationship with him today that he is still seeking you? As a part of his family, co-heirs with Jesus Christ, when we sin, who is it that chases us through the garden and knocks on the heart and says, be reconciled to me? Are you able to say this morning, hey, I'm reconciled with Jesus. By the way, then to be reconciled with Jesus gives you the opportunity for the ministry of reconciliation then with one another. If you have a reconciliation with God, you can reconciliate with each other. We've been talking about this over and over again in our differing series. The relationship you have with Jesus also affects one another. And so as you go through the week and as you're interacting with people with their cards and everything that's going about when they say, hey, the baby Jesus, because we can talk about him during this season a lot easier than we can at Easter. It's easier to deal with babies than it is dead, hanging dead people. Interact with your people this week, wherever you are in the workplace, to say, hey, that, do you know who that Jesus is? And most people may not know that Jesus is the one who authored and spoke the world into existence. Use that this, then, this week for your interaction with people. To say, hey, you know then that you can be reconciled because he took on flesh. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala or the sermon you just heard, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org.